Welcome to the Creative Genius Podcast with Nicolette Wilson-Clark. Hello and welcome. This is Nicolette on the Creative Genius Show on Riverside Radio. And uh, really lovely to be here today on the Creative Genius Show. And this is the local radio show that supports the creative in learning who they are so that they can courageously manage their emotional well-being and tap into their genius. Now, in today's show, I'd like to support you with understanding the benefits, the absolute benefits of good sleep hygiene, mainly to support your creativity. You know, when you have had enough sleep for you, that is, of course, it's just about what you need for sleep, your creativity will soar because you'll be able to think more clearly, which is really important as a creative. You'll have increased memory capacity and also you'll be able to problem solve with so much more ease and my wish for you today is that you finish listening to this show with at least one takeaway that can support your creativity through a very good night's sleep so let's begin what is sleep hygiene what what do i mean when i say that well sleepfoundation.org define it as a variety of different practices and habits that are necessary to have good nighttime sleep. And as they define that good nighttime sleep, they also say good nighttime sleep quality and full daytime alertness. That's really important for them. The Sleep Council They refer to sleep hygiene actually as sleep health. And they say sleep health takes into account quality, quantity and timing, including its regularity of sleep in addition to vulnerability. And this is vulnerability, they say, towards poor sleep and the impact of sleep on daytime functioning. Now, why is sleep so important? This is a good question, really, isn't it? Why is sleep so important? Well, sleep is so important because sleep plays a significant role in healing and repairing. Repairing of heart, repairing of blood vessels. And it really helps us to maintain a healthy weight and a good balance of hormones as well as controlling sugar levels. You know, for mental health, a great night's sleep makes the brain work properly. Properly, proper, by helping us learn, remember, solve problems and make decisions, as well as safeguarding against stress, mood swings and depression. Now, there are seven ways to improve your sleep, and I'm going to go through them today. I'm going to start with number one, and that is thinking about the bedroom. What's your bedroom like? Believe it or not, and according to the Sleep Council, many of us are sleeping in bedrooms unfit for purpose. So, okay, so what would make your bedroom suitable? Well, things to consider are darkness at sleep time. You know, you can either use blackout curtains, an eye mask or blinds, and whatever you use, just make your bedroom as light free as possible. The next thing to think about is temperature. What's the temperature of your bedroom like? And apparently the ideal temperature to sleep in is between 60 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit, and that is 16 to 18 degrees Celsius. You want to ensure that you're neither too hot or too cold. Another thing to think about is clutter. Now, eliminate clutter in your bedroom. 
doing this really um, by having a massive clear out a cluttered room can impact your thinking and it can create a cluttered mind can't it next thing to think about is tech having no tech now this includes computers televisions phones and it sounds quite challenging doesn't it especially in the way that we live these days in a digital world um, a, a digital world that flows through the night but if you keep these and other digital gadgets you know out of the bedroom and really think about how you can not reach for them if you're having an episode at night where you just can't sleep you don't want them close to you so that you can pick them up and use them because that blue light will keep you awake. So from that perspective, if you have gadgets and digital LED lights, turn them around or cover them up to support the darkness that we mentioned above. Now think about, next point, the two S's, sleep and sex. That's all your bedroom should be used for apparently. Not work, not eating, not watching TV or phone chatting. You wanna to try to consider your bedroom as an isolated space, separate from the rest of your home, and just avoid making your bedroom an extension of your home. It's an isolated space just for sleeping and sex. Now, another thing to think about is making a sanctuary, creating a sanctuary. You know, add whatever special touches makes your bedroom feel relaxed, peaceful and connected. And room colour is really important too. How can you make your bedroom suitable for sleep? Well, you're thinking about room colour. So you might want to include calming colours like greens and blues and violets and even greys rather than bright colours such as bright yellow, bright red, bright orange. Now smells are very important to a lot of us and you want to ensure that your room has a soothing and pleasant smell. Whether it's just because it's nice and clean or you've dropped a few lavender or geranium oil droplets in it and they're very calming essential oils. Now the bed, that is the mattress itself, is integral to the quality of your sleep. You know, it's said that if you're waking up with aches and pains, then look no further than investing in a new mattress. Some things to think about when choosing your new mattress are the following here that I've put together. I want you to think about the quality rather than the price, which is of course within your budget. Think about the right support for your body, which should be firm enough to support your spine in the correct alignment, whilst also conforming to your body's curves. You can test before you invest. So some suppliers allow you to test the mattress before you make a firm decision. Ha, firm decision, get it? For most, you do have to pay for it first. You have to pay for the mattress first. You get it delivered. This is online usually. You get it delivered. You test it for what, 14 days, 28 days, one month, three months. And then if you're happy with it, it's all good. You just don't do anything. Just keep it. But if you're not happy with it, you contact them and they'll give you a full refund. Um, it's true. I've done it. If this isn't possible for any reason, where you just can't get in, you, you, that's not what you want to do. You don't have the immediate access to the funds to be able to outlay it to see if you really want the mattress. Then how about you go into a store and you lay on the mattress in the store for at least 20 minutes. They say that's a good amount of time for you to be able to gather whether or not the mattress will be suitable. 
And because we turn a lot in bed, we should be turning whilst we're on the mattress. And if you are sharing your bed with someone, why don't you go with them and share that experience with them so they can test it too and you can both turn together. And then the last thing to remember here about when you're gonna get a mattress is remember the seven year switch. So you should change your mattress at least every seven years, which is the guidance given to people who want to buy mattresses. Research has discovered that if you do not change your mattress within that time frame, or you leave it too long, apart from getting aching body when you wake up, you actually lose one hour's sleep per night due to a shoddy mattress. And if you're gonna accumulate this, this is the equivalent of a night's sleep in one week. So you think of a whole week, you're losing the equivalent of a night's sleep per week. So let's take a little break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about your lifestyle and how your lifestyle, shifting it, adjusting it, can support you when you want to improve your sleep hygiene or as otherwise known, your sleep health. Listen to previous shows at thecreativegenius.co.uk. Riverside Today for Southwest London on Riverside Radio. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Nicolette on Riverside Radio. It's a pleasure to be back here. And I'm talking all about sleep hygiene. And as I talk about it, how are you sleeping? What's your sleep like? What interferes and disrupts your sleep? Have you ever thought about those things? Well, today I'm going to be sharing with you the ways that you can really improve and develop your sleep. So do stay tuned. Now, we are on lifestyle at the moment. And with the lifestyle, we're thinking, you know, from the minute that you wake up, from that minute, you're under attack from wanted and unwanted digital and technical stimulation from social media, mobile phones, computers, laptops and tablets, all for your emails and other bits and pieces that you need. And for many of us, it doesn't stop until bedtime when we would like to sleep if we have issues with sleeping at the moment. Sleep may not be forthcoming because the internal wiring is still just so active. Now, this is a lifestyle issue. And that's what I want to address here and give you some tips as to how you can do that. Because fortunately, there are resolutions that will help you manage your lifestyle so much more positively. Now, here are some tips for you. Switch off technology about two hours before bedtime, including your mobile phone. Tips for really shifting and adjusting your lifestyle so that you can get that good quality sleep. Another one is consider the lighting at home. Use a dimmer switch so that at least your room that you sleep in has that option of having a lower light or just get a low wattage bulb and put it in a little lamp somewhere or in the overhead if you can. Now get into the habit of a regular bedtime routine. I know that for many creatives, this is like, what? Because you might be a night owl, you might be a, you know, a morning person. 
whatever it is for you, find your own routine, but keep it regular. And think of how you might encourage a child to sleep in its early years. You know, you create a routine for them, don't you? And you also create without meaning to, it's not a deliberate action, but you do it, triggers that indicate bedtime. So when they see you do something, when they see you get the milk perhaps, or when they see you um, run the bath, they know, oh, it's bedtime coming up. So how could you let your mind, your brain know with those kinds of triggers and also just creating this wonderful regular routine. Now, avoid excess liquids before bedtime so that you can reduce that sleep disruption. And it might be that it's quite cold, certainly isn't now in London, but <laughs> during the winter or just on a nippy night, it might be that you want to use a hot water bottle. So don't grin and bear it when you're cold. You know, get yourself a hot water bottle or your own equivalent and just make sure that you're, a, you're nice and warm. Avoid napping during the day. But, you know, if you must, just make sure that it's 20 minutes or less. Yeah, that's the recommended amount for napping. And then stay clear of alcohol and caffeine before bedtime because they are stimulants and they'll keep you awake, you know. The next offering I have here for adjusting or shifting your lifestyle. Let's talk about stress and worry. Adjusting and shifting your lifestyle so that you can get better sleep. Research shows a strong correlation between the rhythm of your sleep and anxiety. And anxiety can make your heart race, resulting in a racing mind. And of course, this in turn creates beta waves, which are the w a different level of waves of frequency in the brain. Beta waves are like nerve fluctuations, and the issue with them is that they're very stimulating. They're way too stimulating for sleep. And so to manage your heart rate, if you are feeling anxious in any way, to come away from those beta waves, then you want to place your hands on your heart as an offering suggestion for you, as a way to manage and cope, Place it in the hard area and just listen to your breathing. And then notice the feel of the rise and the fall of the chest and breathe in very slowly for four counts. Breathe out for as long as you can through the nose. Ideally, breathing out even longer than when you breathed in those four counts. So you breathe in for four counts, hand on the heart space area, and you breathe out for really long ideally longer than the four counts. And you want to notice your heart slowing down. And in turn, you'll notice that your mind stops racing as well. And if you have anxious thoughts, you could also try playing the thinking game with yourself. And it's where you write down all your worrying stuff that's stimulating your thoughts. Write it down. And it's a really good therapy exercise. And it's very powerful for letting go of stuff. So try that. Oh, another great exercise for when you're feeling anxious and you're lying awake at night is when you say the alphabet in your head up to the letter J, so A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, and then start to think out loud about what's on your mind. So you're thinking in your mind the alphabet right up to J. Then you say out loud, I'm worried about paying the rent. I'm worried about the new tax bill and so on. This is a mental distraction because as soon as you speak about what's worrying you, you stop thinking about the alphabet, don't you? Okay, so that's an example. What if you actually need to do that for you? So instead of churning over negative thoughts, and with this in mind, 
Use it when you're worried about your looming redundancy or you're worried about how you're going to pay the bills. Instead of churning over negative thoughts, like I can't afford the mortgage this month, why don't you replace it with how can I perform? How can I pay the mortgage this month? Or we will find a way to pay the mortgage this month. So where you might be going up to, uh, you know where you were going to count, you were going to do the letters from A to J, replace that, that's going to be replaced with your negative thoughts. And then what you're going to do is replace those negative thoughts by speaking aloud and saying the complete opposite. I, ca I can afford it. I will be able to pay it. We'll find a way to pay it. That will take you away from the negative thoughts and it will be a distraction. And your brain will get to work just exploring solutions as the speech overrides, that audible speech overrides the mental negative thought. Use this exercise if you really find yourself unable to sleep. Now, the next thing that I want to um, share with you about how you can get your uh, sleep patterns and your uh, ability to get a good night's sleep, how you can make that happen is through food. And what you put into your body is what you become. So it kind of makes sense to be strategic about the foods you eat. And we're going to address all of those good foods that you can eat before bedtime right after this break. It's the Creative Genius Podcast with Nicolette wilson Club. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Nicolette on the Creative Genius Show on Riverside Radio. And I'm talking all about sleep hygiene, also known as sleep health. But what is it that you need to do as a creative to boost your creativity that will really help you to uh, make a little shift, just everyday small shifts? So we're on to food. How can food really support you to get a good night's sleep? Well, you will be amazed. There are three contributing components that support a really good food components that support a really healthy sleep quality. And these are tryptophan, serotonin and melatonin. And there are certain foods that you should eat before bedtime and certain foods to definitely avoid. Tryptophan is a protein and the others are uh, hormones that you release. Serotonin turns into melatonin come the evening. And so we need to make sure that we produce, that we produce melatonin at night time so we need to get a good night's sleep because <laughs> it helps to work with our circadian rhythm of our night and day. So what foods should you eat before bedtime? Well, almonds is one of them. You know, as an overview, almonds are a type of tree nut and an excellent source of many nutrients. You know, one ounce of almonds contains 14% of your daily needs for phosphorus. Now, phosphorus is how you store, uh, allows to support how you store your energy and how you use it. It's also great for bone strength and also helps to filter out kidney waste. So 14% of your daily needs for phosphorus in just an ounce of almonds. 32% for magnesium. Magnesium is great for blood sugar regulation. So if you're diabetic, hello, almonds, manganese, and also helps reduce inflammation if you've got arthritis, really good for that. Uh, and also reduces epileptic seizures if that's something that you're living with. 35, sorry, 32% is what you're going to get of manganese in an ounce of almonds. And 17% for riboflavin. Now riboflavin 
helps to break down carbohydrates and proteins and fats, plus it allows oxygen to be used in the body, so it's pretty necessary. 17% you're gonna get in almonds. They have a high content of healthy monosaturated fat, do almonds. They also have a high content of fiber and antioxidants. So they're associated with lowering the risk of type two diabetes, as I mentioned before, and heart disease. What's not to like? Right, let's talk about sleep then. Regarding sleep, almonds are a fantastic source of sleep regulating hormone. One of the three that I mentioned earlier, it's melatonin. And additionally, actually, they are an excellent source of magnesium, providing 19% of your daily needs just in one ounce again. You know, consuming adequate amounts of mag magnesium, they may help improve sleep quality, especially for those who have insomnia. Why is this the case? Why is magnesium so beneficial within the almonds? Well, it's thought to be due to its ability to reduce inflammation, and it may help reduce levels of the stress hormone cortisol, which is known to interrupt sleep. And interestingly enough, there's actually quite a limited amount of research on almonds and sleep and their relationship to each other. But one study examined that I found, they found the effects, the effects of feeding rats 400 milligrams of almond extract and what they found was that the rats slept longer and so much more deeply than they did without consuming almond extract. So we do need to have more research applied to humans. But if you want to just experiment and explore with almonds before bedtime, just to determine if they will impact your sleep quality, then why not try one ounce, which is about 28 grams, and see what happens. See how a handful, if you ha don't have the scales, <laughs> um, should, should be quite adequate. See how that supports you. Now the next food that's gonna support you for good night's sleep is chamomile tea. This is a very popular tea, isn't it? With many benefits. And it's well known for its content of flavones, or flavones, a class of antioxidants that reduce inflammation that often leads to chronic diseases, such as cancer and heart disease. And there's also some evidence that drinking chamomile tea may boost your immune system. Yay! It might also reduce anxiety and depression and also improve skin health. Whoopee! On both of those fronts. Let's talk about how it's applied to sleep, chamomile tea and sleep. Well, it has some very unique properties that may improve sleep quality, actually. Chamomile tea contains something called apigenin, which is an antioxidant that binds to certain receptors in your brain that may promote sleepiness and reduce insomnia. There are some tests I found, and one study in 34 adults found those who consumed 270 milligrams of chamomile extract twice daily for 28 days, fell asleep 15 minutes faster and experienced less nighttime wakening. And that was in comparison to those who did not consume the extract. Another study found that women who drank chamomile tea for two weeks reported improved sleep quality compared to the non-tea drinkers. Those who drank chamomile tea also had fewer symptoms of depression, 
which is commonly associated with sleep problems, isn't it? So why don't you try and drink some chamomile tea before you go to bed? See if it's worth it and see if it can improve the quality of your sleep. Another food is kiwi. I love kiwis. Very underrated fruit. They're low calorie and very nutritious. They contain amongst other nutrients, 117% of your daily needs for vitamin C. 117%, that's over 100% of your daily need for vitamin C, which is necessary for growth and development and repair. And 38% of your daily needs for vitamin K, which is bone health and wound healing. They're really great for digestive health as well, um, for inflammation reduction and for lowering your cholesterol. And these effects are due to the high amount of fiber and carotenoid antioxidants that they provide. But let's talk about their sleep benefits. Studies show that their potential to improve sleep quality is pretty high. In a four-week study, 24 adults consumed two kiwi fruits one hour before going to bed each night. At the end of the study, participants fell asleep 42% more quickly than when they didn't eat anything before bedtime. Additionally, their ability to sleep through the night without waking improved by 5%, while their total sleep time increased by 13%. The sleep-promoting effects of kiwis are thought to be due to their content of serotonin, which is a brain chemical that helps regulate your sleep cycle. And it has also been suggested that the antioxidants in kiwis, such as vitamin C and carotenoids, may be partly responsible for their sleep-promoting effects. This is thought to be due to their role in reducing inflammation. You can see how inflammation has such a big effect on sleep. Having lots of sugar increases your inflammation. So just think about that as a lifestyle shift if you're having problems sleeping. You have lots of inflammation inside generally if you're having a high content sugar diet. So if you want to experiment with kiwis and just see whether it helps you, why not try eating one to two medium kiwis before bedtime just to see whether you fall asleep faster and whether you stay asleep for longer? It is believed that more research needs to be done actually in this area. So um, yeah, we'll see what comes out. Now fatty fish, salmon, tuna, fra uh, trout and mackerel are fatty fish and they're incredibly healthy. They have exceptional vitamin D content which can be over 50% of your daily needs. And additionally, fatty fish are high in healthy omega-3 fatty acids, especially EPA and DHA, both of which are known for reducing inflammation. Now, omega-3 fatty acids may also protect against heart disease and boost brain health, so moving you further away from dementia. This combination here of omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin D in fatty fish gives it the potential to enhance sleep quality. You know, there, there are some, the, both nutrients have been shown to increase the production of serotonin, a sleep-promoting brain chem chemical that I talked about earlier. And in one study, men who ate 300 grams of Atlantic salmon three times a week for six months, they fell asleep about 10 minutes faster 
than men who ate chicken, beef or pork. And this effect was thought to be due to the vitamin D content of the salmon. Now, those in the fish group had higher levels of vitamin D, which was linked to a significant improvement in sleep quality. So it might be that eating a few ounces of fatty fish per week before bedtime could actually help you to fall asleep much faster and to sleep much more deeply. Why don't you try it? And again, more studies are needed to, in humans to define you know, what's going on there. Now, bananas. Bananas contain tryptophan, and are a, which is a protein, and are a good source of magnesium. And these are two main properties that may help you get a good night's sleep. And if you'd like more information about this sort of thing, then do feel free to go to healthline.com where my research took me regarding foods that are good for sleep, healthline.com. Now let's just briefly address foods to avoid before bedtime. Now we wanna think about not eating cruciferous vegetables. You know, those are things, veggies like broccoli and cauliflower. They're insoluble fibers, which just means that they, fight, they take so long to break down, take forever to break down in the digestive system, especially if they're eaten raw. So this is gonna mean that as you're attempting sleep, your body's also digesting. That's one hell of a distraction, isn't it? It's not gonna be a very comfortable night's sleep. So you're better off eating your cruciferous vegetables, cooked or uncooked, at lunchtime. Now, red meat. Red meat has the same effect on the body as the cruciferous veggies as a protein-laden food. It has loads of protein in red meat. You want to avoid steaks and ground beef. And there are some other foods that I want to throw in here for you to avoid. Avoid tomato sauce due to its high acidity. If, you, you know, if you're going to have a bolognese with your tomato sauce, at dinner time, just ensure that it's at least three hours before bedtime. Spicy foods, because they raise your body temperature. Water, due to urination that can disrupt sleep. Cured meats and cheese, which contain an amino acid, which is a protein building block called tyramine, which keeps you alert. Dark chocolate, which also contains an amino acid that will keep you awake. Coffee and alcohol. So if you want more information about these foods that you should avoid, then do click on over to the sleepcouncil.org.uk and they've got lots of wonderful information there to support you. The sleepcouncil.org.uk to support you in getting a good night's sleep. Now moving on, we're talking about exercise as being another thing that can really assist you. You know, just a few things to note here. Participating in exercise can really support having a good quality of sleep nightly. Of course it can. And there's actually no evidence, though, to support or to confirm that being active before bedtime is disruptive to sleep, as you might have heard. So if nighttime exercising is all that you can do right now, then it's cool. You know, it's certainly better than nothing. And don't stop it. Keep it going. But just make sure that you have a little bit of downtime in between if it's possible. And when exercising at night, just try not to overdo it because some people think that if I bash myself up before bed, I'm going to fall asleep. Quite the opposite. You're actually, it's quite counterproductive, to be honest. You're actually going to be stimulating yourself and take you quite a while to come down. So choose activities with regards to exercise that suit you and your body as it is now. There are so many options online these days from yoga to home power walking. And then 
let's just sort of seal all of this with relaxation. Relaxation is an amazing way for you to be able to develop your sleep hygiene. You know, much of how we live today encourages active living where you're either getting things done or going somewhere to get things done. Granted that as I present this show, we're just exiting lockdown in, in London and much of the communications are still being delivered over the internet through video or good old phone calls. But apart from the impact of this pandemic, there isn't really any emphasis on relaxation or rest in society as a focus. And it, it seems to be used more as an antidote to stress rather than a preventative, positive way of living, of being. You know, when we rest and relax, we give our mind and our body the opportunity to take stock of life so far. You know, you can reflect, offer thanks, work out solutions, or just be. I'd like to offer you two effective ways to incorporate relaxation into your life for a blissful night's sleep. The first one is what I call tense and release exercise. This is simply tense a muscle, for example, a bicep, by contracting for seven to 10 seconds and you know, flex it gently without strain. So you've got your bicep, you're tensing it, 10 to seven to 10 seconds, and then just bend the elbow. So you're flexing the bicep without strain. At the same time, I want you to visualize the muscle being tensed, really see it in your mind's eye, consciously feeling the buildup of tension and then release the muscle abruptly, and then relax, allowing the body to go limp. Take a few moments before moving on to that next exercise. And you know, remember to keep the rest of your body relaxed whilst working on a particular muscle. And you can practice this whilst you're lying in bed at night, whilst you're wanting to get to sleep, but it's not quite happening. Or you can do it anytime you wish to rest. A second offering here to really help you to relax is from a cognitive behavioral therapy exercise, CBT. And this therapy is great for insomniacs, even though CBT is often used for those experiencing depression. This exercise helps you identify the negative attitudes and beliefs that might hinder your sleep and replaces them with positive thoughts as you effectively unlearn the negative beliefs. You know, a well-used exercise is something called worry time. And you set aside 30 minutes per day to write down your worries and see them more clearly. And this reduces the weight and space it holds in your mind and frees you up to attend to what matters for the rest of the day. And you're encouraged not to think about the worries during that time. You can also write your worries down before you go to bed and then imagine them just floating away as you close your eyes and prepare to sleep. So there we have it. Those are my suggestions for how you can kind of reclaim your sleep. And I'm gonna finish off the show with a quick recap of what's been addressed to assist you with improving the quality of your sleep as a beautiful creative. So number one is check out your bedroom and whether it's sleep compatible. Number two is, does your mattress need changing? Has it been seven years since you last bought one? Can you shift your lifestyle to support your quality of sleep? What in your lifestyle could just be adjusted with your apps and your contraptions of technology and digital stuff? Reduce stress and worry through mind distracting techniques. Incorporate sleep inducing foods 
into your diet. Exercise as often as you can according to your fitness level, your present fitness level. <laughs> and lastly, include relaxation techniques into your day to support a restful night's sleep. So there you have it, my seven tips to really just get yourself together and feel as though as a creative, you have so much more to give. Remember that you can go to thesleepcouncil.org.uk to get some other very, very helpful uh, tips and also Healthline about the foods, healthline.com if you want to get ideas of what foods are good for sleep. So there you go. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, today. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I hope it's been useful to consider whether or not you can adjust your sleeping habits to get a good night's sleep. Thank you for joining me. I want to invite you to reach out at thecreativegenius.co.uk for blogs, announcements and past shows. And why not subscribe whilst you're on the website so that you can get all of these right up in your inbox without you having to do a single thing. Follow at The Creative Genius Show on Instagram. And until next week, beautiful creatives, keep creating. You've been listening to The Creative Genius Show with Nicolette Wilson-Clark. Thank you so much for listening.